Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Well, hello. Happy Friday. Let's get that out of the way to establish what day it actually is. Marty and I have struggled with that in recent times, and you'll never guess, Marty, where I am right now based on my stunning backdrop. Well, it's hard to do. Like if I was a um, one of those investigators with the FBI, I'd look for clues. Um, you know, there's a nice colored wall. No, it's not nice colored. It's actually about as plain as it is. On your screen, not on the Sabres live screen, but on the Zoom screen, there's a black chair behind you that oh, no. is not a floating chair like we once had in the studio. So I... I don't know. I don't know. My first guess would be business center of a uh, Hampton Inn. <laughs> business center of Irish Hills Golf and Country Club oh. just outside of Ottawa, where I'm attending a uh, really important event today. Um, believe it or not, back in 1999, I met this young gentleman named Jason Campbell. He was... Um, battling cancer at the time he'd already had a significant operation on his knee uh where the cancer was and um jason would go on to become a great friend of mine he was working it was all through an organization called candlelighters um which <laughs> our radio station at the time that i was working with um was kind of in partnership with anyway jason always like and i say this almost every year when we do our hockey fights cancer night the one thing that always amazes me is that those in the fight become the torchbearers for everybody else. They yeah. take it personal, they want to give back, and they will do anything to help other people who are in a similar situation to theirs. They want to make their lives better. So Jason, as a 15-year-old at the time, would um, have an annual golf tournament raise i don't know four five six thousand dollars you know take that money he would go to like a big box store and buy tvs dvds any kind of electronics bring it all into the hospital the children's hospital of eastern ontario because he'd lived the experience the loneliness all the rest of it you know gaming systems and everything so every year he would replenish you know kind of yeah. the, the the kids area of the hospital and so this has gone on not consecutively because Jason has grown up and has a real world job and all the rest of it. He's now 40. Couldn't believe that. Um, but anyway, today is what would be the 25th anniversary of his first golf tournament. Wow. So we are here today celebrating that uh, just outside of Ottawa. And you know, over the course of time, he's raised about $125,000, you know, which is just like an amazing grassroots event. He's Pretty also special. My, he's also my water boy today, so I just got uh, gifted the water on the fly here. Well, to Jason, but. congratulations. That's pretty special. Now, a couple of things come to mind, Duffer, as you are doing a great deed in Ottawa today, is that I am wearing my 11-day power play T-shirt yes. and 11-day power play hat. So that is going on at Lecom Harbor Center, obviously raising tons of money for cancer research and the support, and it's a community um really uh deep community um 
well, with Mike and and Amy Lesakowski, I mean, which we sh- we we are going to have later Mike on the show on today. Right? Yeah, later on today. So Shannon Goldman and that's and great. So that, Friday appearance. Yeah, that's right. And so that's awesome. The second thing I thought about, and this is more my comedy, the the comic comic relief of uh, part of the show is knowing that you're in Ottawa, and I played junior hockey in uh, Getno across the the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son is in the Ottawa region and plays hockey there. And I was thinking that Jason, um, after the first golf tournament where he maybe raised 3000 4000 the first year, mm-hmm. raced over to the casinos and tried to double it on the roulette table. And then it was like, hey, I doubled it. So now I have six and now I'm going to try to double it again. And like, because oh, that's where yeah. I was a stupid 19 year old playing junior hockey. And if I won $50 at cards on the bus, my thought was I can go to the casino and double it. Well, more often than not, I went to the casino and lost it. So I just want to know that that's my comic relief. That going back to my 19-year-old self and the stupid things I did. Well, I will also add this. You know, obviously, when I was here, I was working on the senator's uh um well what is still one of now it wasn't at the time but it is one of the very few remaining tsn radio stations yeah Uh, it was osr 1200 back when it launched in the late 90s but you know working on senators broadcast and and what have you and uh i will say this um i i it can never be lost on me the impact that a professional sports team can have on its community but you need people that care within those organizations. It can't just be lip service, in my opinion. Yep. I don't know if you ever knew Roy Malacker, the senator's president. He was a longtime sports executive in other sports, but he was a big catalyst for kind of the, you know, the senators have had lots of different issues <laughs> over the years, you know, with government yep. and local communities and things like that. Well, anyway, there is one person that has always been by Jason's side from then the senator's perspective. And it was Roy Malacher. He's just an unbelievably caring human being. Comes across just the opposite, right? Get out of my way. And, you know, <laughs> a little, he's got a little bit of razor in him. Like he, he'll needle you to death about stuff. And, but at the root of it, and the heart is there. And, and that's, I, I say it because, and this is going to be a real hard 180 for our audience right now. I can't believe we're sitting here on June 23rd of 2023 and all the good that has been done by the NHL in so many ways for recognizing special nights is now in some respects going out the window. based on commissioner's words yesterday that they won't be wearing themed jerseys in warmups anymore because it has become a bit of a distraction so it it really it has me and our group text, our co-workers, in a very similar place here of disbelief. It's highlighted by the fact that you and I just started almost unintentionally talking about hockey fights cancer and all those who are involved in it. 
I could take it a step further and say that obviously my daughter has recognized, my youngest has recognized what I've been involved in her entire life. I've never been more proud than a couple of years ago when, and she never says boo about anything, was like, oh, sorry, Duffer. That's okay. You lost your computer. Um, <laughs> no, I did. She approached me and said, boy, dad, the Hockey Fights Cancer jerseys are really beautiful this year. Yeah. So she now has a Hockey Fights Cancer jersey from a couple of years ago. Now, why do you think she has that jersey? Do you think she goes to the Sabres store before every game? No, she saw it on the ice. She saw it being worn by the players. This is one child, and I can't even imagine how many people are impacted negatively by this and this decision. In fact, it's so shocking to me because it was just a week ago that I was having an impassioned conversation, ironically, in the Sabre store with a gentleman, and we were both in agreement on how it would be great during these months, like Black History Month, Pride Month, whatever. Pride Month falls out of the NHL season typically, but you know what I'm saying. How it would be nice to actually wear the themed jerseys more in warm-ups through the course of the month. Just like Hockey Fights Cancer Month, you could do it. And then wouldn't it be great that if at some point in that month, they actually chose to wear the jerseys in the game. And NHL has never caught up with other leagues in this regard. Now they're going completely opposite direction. And I am really, really, really struggling to keep it at that. Because you know how I feel about this. Yeah, this, I, I totally, I know how you feel about it. And, and over the years, we have been, uh, even on the pregame intermission, postgame, really always tr highlighting the events and the jerseys and the players and, and everything that's happened. I totally um, uh, get what you're saying. And, and to be honest with you, um, all of those special events uh, and the jerseys and the work and the thoughts that are put behind those events from the designs of the jerseys and the logos and all of that. Like there's so many people in the community that get recognized from, for their work because of those events. Now that's not going to go away because we will still have those events, right? It's still going to be a logo, a special logo. It will be on the Jumbotron everywhere in the arena. It's all going to be represented. Now the players will not wear special jerseys in warmup. Um, now, there's a couple of things that come to mind, Duffer, and I, I won't lie to you. Yes, it was disappointing um, to hear that, you know, the league was was taking that route. Um, the other side of me, though, is the side that always tried to look at, 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 at everything, right? And not just do it about me, but and not just do it about somebody else, but do it about everybody. Um, and look, the, the, the Players Association, which... I was a member of the Players Association for years. I have to also represent every single one of those players, just like they would have to represent and fight for um, a, a black hockey players, a gay hockey player, a straight hockey player, a white hockey player, a European hockey player, a indigenous hockey player, and everything. They have to obviously represent all of that. And what we saw last year is a lot of Russians hockey player um, 
fearing for safety because of that, because of repercussions that could happen to their families in, in, in Russia and all of that. And listening to Brian Burke talk about it last year kind of opened my, my eyes a little bit to this issue. And Brian Burke had a son who unfortunately passed away who was gay and came out to him. And, and Brian Burke is the big burry guy that was all tough and, you know, like big, tough hockey player and all of that. And he discussed all of it and, and it opened my eyes to it. And he said, nobody should fear for their safety by wearing a jersey. Like, we don't want that. Like, that's not what the cause should be. And I listened and understood that. Now, I just feel like the NHL probably decided to to make something happen before the Players Association, maybe, and I'm just speculating here, we'd have to present the NHL with a, a either a proposal or something because they feared that some of their players were being singled out in that situation. And I understand that's their own decision. If they want to be singled out, that's their own decision. Make your decision. The rest of the players, you know, the 99% of the players that want to support the causes are going to do it. Um, so yes, it was disappointing. Uh, but I, I don't know all the answers to that. And I would think that there's more to it than just making an announcement and saying that we don't want it to be a distraction for the cause. And that's, that to me is what it is. It's like, there's always more to it. And the NHL just decided to brush it aside by saying, well, it was a distraction to the cause. And they decide to make it that, well, nobody's going to wear jerseys and warm up. And that's why it's disappointing because it wasn't distracting to the cause in 99.9% of the, the, the situations last year. So that's why it's disappointing. It's disappointing because um, players that really have hockey fights, cancer, military appreciation night, pride night, uh, black history month representation and all of it, um, they want to take part of it. So the NHL is basically um, deciding against it. And it is disappointing, but we will still celebrate those. We'll celebrate it on a broadcast. We will, you and I, Duffer, will be able to celebrate it and, and everybody in the arena and the Sabres organization will be able to celebrate it as well because it's important to us. The only surprising thing is that it was done a few hours prior to Friday because this is the most classic news dump of yes. all time before the next major series of events, which is the draft and awards next week on the heels of the Stanley Cup final. And it's being done so that people forget about it over the summer. And then when it comes around, they're going to be like, oh, why is this? Or, oh, didn't know about that. The other part, which I find I'm thankful you brought it up because I was going to go there anyway, is where, in fact, is the Players Association in all of this? How is the NHL able to unilaterally make this decision why do the players not, and I checked, all I can do, and I can't go through every possible player's social media feeds today, but I went right to the NHL PA one, not a peep. So does that mean now that their union leader showed up at the Board of Governors meeting, which apparently shocked some of the players, um, does that mean they're all just in lockstep here with this this decision, which is a terrible one? And when I say it's a terrible one, I'm, I'm, you can tell, really frustrated. And I will say this, I'm glad I'm not alone in this because I'm looking back at everybody's feed last night from people that are as close to the NHL as possible, have been embedded with the NHL as possible from a media, you name it, standpoint. 
and even they were surprised, disappointed, and that's putting it mildly. So I, I get this that. is a huge I, topic to me, and I am really, I can't believe the PA to this point has been quiet. No, and I and I get that, Duffer, and I the the reason why I'm saying the whole. Uh, fearing for their safety thing because I never experienced anything like that. Like there's nothing I am doing in my everyday life that is that I fear for my parents' safety or my sibling's safety or my family's safety back home. I mean, there's nothing, right? But I also understand that there is players around the NHL that have had that fear because mm -hmm. of a country right now who's at war with another one for whatever reason it is, and they do whatever they want. And so if I am the players association and one of my member comes to me and says, look, I can't wear the Jersey. My parents have people in their front lawn wanting to break their legs and tear their house down. If I wear the Jersey, I can't do it. And I'm being singled out in this whole thing. Now the players association has to represent every single one of their members. Now, that's why I said there is obviously going to be a time where there's going to be an internal debate with the Players Association. But right now, that is the, the point that the association is, is dealing with is those players last season and with social media and everything that's happened that were singled out are, are, are you know, obviously it's affecting them. It's affecting them greatly, like to a point where it could affect their their career, their next contract, who, and everything. Who gets affected by this decision yesterday, though? More people than the ones that you're singularly talking about. Yeah, no, I. And well, how does a? And I'm sorry to be a. You know. No, what, I know what you're how saying. How does a union work? Does it usually come down to a vote, or do they just side with the six percent? Well, it, it comes down to a vote if it's something that you have a saying about. And the, the the thing is, is here the players don't have any saying on what jerseys they get to wear in warm ups or not. This is not a hockey conversation. This is not a, a co competition committee representation where the players. It's not collective bargained. Like I, I understood, but do you not think that it could actually be a conversation, regardless of whether it's legally binding? Like, it could honestly, be a conversation. Yes, it could very we well be a conversation. Like, let's have the conversation. Let's not make unilateral decisions. You are the membership. You're actually the ones wearing the jersey. Wouldn't you care about that? Yeah, no, I look, you're absolutely right. But I, I can. And, and look, they've talked about the jerseys. I can tell you that there is going to be players on uh, Pride Night that will wear the rain, rainbow tape because. The, the league didn't say anything about wearing rainbow tape in, in warm-up. They just said about the jerseys, and it's an individual decision. And there is teams and players that will say yes, or purple tape for Hockey Fights Cancer, or any type of representation that they can use mm -hmm. to their own um, desire when it happens. Mm -hmm. And so that is that is what they can do, and that is what players are going to step up to do, and that's what organization also going to step up to do like i feel it's more demoralizing when an organization decides not to do anything for a certain team night right they say no we're not gonna do anything mm -hmm. okay having jerseys and warm-up is one thing having the players wear it some players decide not to wear them for their own personal belief or whatnot that is one thing and obviously the league has dealt with it but i feel it's more disappointing when a team decides to not honor and represent many different team nights. There should be more in a certain way. There should always be something that the league and the player and the, and the teams want to put on the forefront. They want to represent, they want to 
you know, support. So, yes, um, I look, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I just feel like this is not a, a something that the PA probably had a vote to put to because it's not a part of what they have a saying in the league. But at the same time, this is what I'm saying is that, look, this didn't just happen where the NHL decided to make that decision. I think there must have been a conversation as well saying that, you know, from the PA side that certain players had to have voiced their their concerns with, uh, you know, how they were singled out. And it's just a handful of players at the end of the day. That's why I'm as disappointed as I am, because it's just a handful. And and now we're catering to that as opposed to the greater message. And for example, we got this tweet from Saracino E. Hockey fights cancer jersey. And this was addressed to me. You yeah. interviewed me in 2015 at the draft in Florida. First thing you asked me was, where did you get that? I won it at an auction. I've won five or six of them. It matters to me, my way of giving back. I lost family to cancer, shameful cowards. So Absolutely. that was from E. Sar Saracino. And again, it's just like my daughter having an interest in the jersey or why my mom tears up every night with hockey fights cancer or one of the greatest developments, I think, in our hockey fights cancer telecast just this past year, as a matter of fact. But it's actually the last two, but specifically this one. In the warm-up, during our pregame broadcast, oh, yeah, we built line combinations. So if it was the Skinner-Thompson-Tuck line, we put the names of the three families or individuals that were being represented by those jerseys in the warm-up. How do you, like, what do you think that meant? <clears throat> To the families involved. I can tell yeah. you firsthand what it meant to one because I heard back from it. She screenshotted it on the, she, she was in tears the instant we, you started talking about her and her fight and her family. Yeah. But now we're not going to, but now you can go get the jersey in the store, but there's no nameplate and we're not going to tell the story. Well, we're still going to tell the story. We and I understand. We can't show it visually now. I totally get that. And there's the thing. And, and if anything out of all of this, this is the way that we are now in 2023 and it's disappointing and it's unfortunate, but most everything that we deal with in our everyday life has some sort of political attachment and it divides people and it has for a few years now and it divides people. And that's unfortunate because the best of causes, then somebody makes it political, spins it, and then it becomes a problem where we have a lot of people that are either for or against and it becomes a fight, right? So that is unfortunate because we have to start looking beyond the political everything and see the people and the people that are like living their everyday life like with their own story to tell. That's the thing. So that's probably why the league decided to go that way because the NHL has been like that for as long as I remember as they stay away from all the political aspects of everything. And it is what it is. I had a conversation with Jacob yesterday and he also said the same thing. He goes, what's political about hockey fights cancer? Nothing. Cancer affects everything. Everything should not be political. But again, like if you have to say, Everything else is very political and we don't like it. But what's political about hockey fights cancer? Absolutely nothing, right? 
that to me is is what we should strive to do and say you know what let's we started with hockey fights cancer in most arenas with these team nights and we're going to keep doing the team nights and we're going to keep doing the jerseys because we want people to see it as a non-political issue we want to see it as a human issue that we have to be able to to address and to deal with an everyday basis and so you know you started with hockey fights cancer and you kept on moving that's the issue here is because it is everything gets a political spin and then you have what you have with the NHL yesterday. Dana Goldman from The Athletic, our Friday staple, is next here on Sabres Live. Stay with us. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Welcome back. It is the best half hour of the Friday show because Shana Goldman is with us from The Athletic. And if people were surprised in any way as to what direction the show went right off the bat today, Shana, you're going to be the perfect person to play off of what comes next based on what you wrote about and tweeted about. And that was the NHL's decision yesterday. Now, let me bring it all together here for people who are not privy to our off-air conversation during the commercial break. And that was a Marty Biron reference, among others, to Fall Out Boy. <laughs> now, it just so happens that I went to see Fall Out Boy kick off their tour at Wrigley Field on Wednesday in Chicago. In, I believe, an unprecedented development, they covered a song that 40 years ago I was fascinated with. And now reading the lyrics, still am today. The song was Crazy Train by Ozzy. And I was among the 40,000 going, are they seriously doing crazy train right now? This is amazing. But how it all ties in, and this is the beauty of music and artistry. The opening verse to crazy train says crazy, but that's how it goes. Millions of people living as foes. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. That's Ozzy from 40 years ago. How, and I know there were artists 40 years prior to that singing the exact same message. Shana, how are we where we are today? First of all, that was elite hosting to tie it all together. <laughs> Excellent work there, I have to say. As someone who fails when I try to do things like that. But how are we there? It's because everybody is so okay regressing. Everybody wants to regress, it feels like sometimes. And the NHL is leading the way with that charge. It just feels like any time that there can be one ounce of progress and we're not asking for anything that radical. It's just accepting and being open and inclusive, right? That That is the bar is so low there. Yeah. Anytime that there's a step forward or any ripples, the answer is to hide from the problem, to avoid it, to pretend it didn't exist, even though that creates another set of problems. And that's where the NHL is. So they definitely need to do some soul searching on this. Uh, listen to Ozzy Osbourne, talk to people and and get different opinions instead of the board of conservative people who aren't affected by these issues, it seems, to, to have a different opinion, right? Yeah, well said. 
Um, okay. Um, yeah, well said. We we obviously talked about it, the players and the team side of it. Duffer and I will still <laughs> be celebrating all these team nights on the TV, uh, pre, post, and intermission-wise, and we'll tell the stories and uh, hopefully it will uh, maybe put an even bigger focus on the fact that we will do more work, Duffer, to be able to showcase those special events and uh, some of the, the 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 best nights of the year for uh, for the people, right? For yeah. the, the the human side of it. So that's mm -hmm. that. Now let's uh, we have you on Friday, and people love to hear what you have to say about players that would work for the Sabers, and that could be packaged in a deal that could be brought in. Um, the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets are basically selling out. It's like a fire sale going on. There's signs everywhere. Um, we talked about Brett Pesci last week. Now there's a guy on the flames that could be up for, uh, for, for the taken. And that's Noah Hannafin. Where, where do we, I, I feel like Noah Hannafin is a great defenseman could work with the Sabres, but how do you feel Shana about Noah Hannafin and what fit he would be on the Sabres? Yeah, the exodus that we're going to see out of the Flames is something else. Uh, it's two summers in a row that they want to be like the star of attention. And, you know, they're very successful at stealing the show, it seems. <laughs> Noah Hannafin's an interesting one. So he's a left-handed defenseman. And the, the Sabres are a team that has been willing to mix handedness before, as we talked about last week. There was a really good piece done on Expected Buffalo today that I was reading about how much, you know, they actually did allow players to play on their offside, though. And it was Rasmus Dahlin, so you have generational defenseman for the Sabres, right? Elite, elite, elite defenseman playing on the left side, and that's okay. And then they have it mixing and matching on the third pair. So they haven't been as willing to go and mix handedness elsewhere. It's minor roles or the player that they can trust more than anybody. So the question is, will they trust Noah Hannafin to play on his right side? Does he have a documented history of it, which he doesn't? Uh, it's not to say he can't. I think there can be a lot of research done on it. And there are some very smart people in the Sabres front office who have done work on this previously, too, in the public sphere. So if anybody can figure it out, I think it's them. But it's a good question to ask on whether or not they can trust him to do it. And if this is a good fit in general, because this is someone who is a more offensive defenseman. And while I think you can compose a blue line of that, can they maximize him maybe, you know, without that much power play time if they don't want to take it away from Darlene or power. So it makes for a good conversation, you know, a player like Hannafin, he's a young defenseman. I think that's kind of the right, you know, variety they should be looking for in that sense, but I don't know if he's the perfect fit. Now, let me just allow a quick follow-up here. What if it's Owen Power that was to play on his offside? Does that make a difference? If you say, no, Hannafin can play the left side and Owen Power because of, he's a generational talent too. He's like Rasmus Darlene's first overall pick. Um, he, he also could play did the a right plenty side. at Michigan. Yeah, he's, yeah. So what if it's Owen Power that played the right side and you had Noah Hannafin playing left? Does that change the narrative a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And that that's where what it all comes down to. It depends on who the Sabres trust to play that. I think someone like Owen Power, you said, he has that experience from the NCAA days. A lot of players do. They they right. worked on yes. their offside. We saw it. Brady Shea did back in the day with um, Minnesota. We saw Luke Hughes play on his offside too, because that's what the team needed them to do. So that versatility is going to be a huge weapon for the Sabres. Why not have two of your best defensemen, you know, if you can trust them play on their offside, but you have to just wonder, are they going to be maximized? Are they in the best position? Because you don't want it that you're putting them into a position that maybe they don't need to be in just because that's how you fit the roster around them when you want it that they're the primary focus and everybody, everything else is complimentary. But if they trust him to do it, why not? Mm -hmm. Do you have any other um, names that have worked their way into the Sabre rumor mill that you need to share with us? 
Ooh, good question. I still like Brett Pesci a lot for like yeah. all of the reasons because he's like this ideal shutdown defenseman that can play a progressive game. I shutdown defenseman is such like a tough term in today's game, in my opinion, because for me, I think of someone like say you know Roman Hammer, like Roman Polak, like Ron Hainsey, players you don't want to think because that shutdown ability is one dimensional play. When we think of shutdown defensemen in today's game, it has to be the Pesci's, the Slavens of the world who can advance play even if they're you know, quietly effective. But I think that Pesci is definitely should be, you know, number one on the list. And, you know, I'd be curious who else, maybe someone like Calgary is willing to part with. Like, what is their direction? Are players like Rasmus Anderson going to be available? Who's to say? I don't think they know what they're doing yet because all of this is developing on the spot. But those are the players I think that are going to be more intriguing than anybody available on the free agent market. You know, I don't. I wouldn't do that with anybody else, but with you, Shano, I feel like I can bring up a name and you'll know exactly what the answer is, right? And and this is a yeah. name I brought up to our producer, Jeff, before the show. Duffer, you were taking a little walk in your business center. Uh, I was talking to Jeff about this player and the Winnipeg Jets because the Jets are also a team that may unload everybody, right? It's fire sale in Winnipeg. And I looked at their defense core and I'm like, oh, they're not trading Josh Morrissey. And, but who on that, 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 list of defensemen may be up for in a year and be a UFA and they want to part ways. And Nick Rossi here on Twitter says, how about a guy like Dylan DeMello? That's the guy I brought up. What about Dylan DeMello with the Jets and maybe being a, a fit for the Buffalo Sabres? I like Dylan DeMello. I feel like the Jets are a tough team because they're tough to look at from the last few years because we saw like the coaching decisions weren't always great for defense. The systems they ran weren't great. And we saw a lot of players bounce back this year with, you know, the complete opposite as defensive and traditional as a system as you get. And I feel like the Sabres are a nice in between of that. So I, I think someone like Dylan DeMello would fit. Obviously, if you can get a Josh Morrissey, go off. That is yeah. the way to go. You know, uh, he he's a top tier defenseman for a reason. But, you know, the cost of acquisition will be something else, even though the Jets don't have a ton of leverage. I like someone like DeMello. Though. I think that's a that's a cautious, you know, number four defenseman, which is what the Sabres need right now. They don't need much more than that. That is a good option for a year. And then you can figure it out after that. Is he a placeholder for another year or two while you look for another young player or look elsewhere altogether? It, it feels like a low risk move. And that's what, you know, a number four defenseman can be. Okay. I'm now going to spend the rest of the summer anticipating acquisitions of Josh Morrissey and Noah Hannafin on the heels of contract extensions for Darlene and Power. And I will ask you, has any team ever broached $50 million of their cap to defensemen? And if so, even if it hasn't, do you think it might work? It can work. I mean, why not? I think that if you can be really careful about where you dedicate your cap, you can spend wherever you want. The Florida Panthers have, what, $14 million in goaltending that nobody has, and they're fine with that for now. You wait, can wait. Remember we talked about uh, Arizona last week and the fact they had six and a half million dollars allocated to five defensemen. Then they yeah. went and added Stephen Camper, who hasn't been in the league for over two years. Oh my gosh. I was like, this is truly unbelievable what they're doing. Yeah. We need, we need a team to absolutely counter that apparently, right? Go for the complete and total opposite. I feel like if you're the Sabres, maybe you could get away with spending so much on defense and it'll be fine if you can balance out your forward. I mean, think about the kind of internal cap that they have up front. You're not having a yeah. forward that makes over $8 million. And that's a totally different situation than what we're seeing in today's game, right? I just think it's so important to just invest in your in your core, whatever that might be. It might be your top three forwards and two defensemen. It might be three defensemen and two forwards. Like whatever that core is, 
invest everything in them and just find a way to get that replacement level salary around them. Those low risk deals, the entry level contracts that we know that the Sabres have. Why not? Right. That's how you should be spending. Everyone dunks on the Maple Leafs and rightfully so, but they have it right. Marty knows that my tongue was firmly in cheek when I was presenting that idea. But Marty, please make that face over and over and over again. (laughs) Can you guys hear me? Because in the first segment, I knocked my computer over. I just knocked my whole like uh, microphone over in this one. So I've never been to a recording studio. And the biggest (laughs) thing you see on the way in is no food or drink allowed in the studio. I think Marty is experiencing this problem. <laughs> well, I almost dropped my notepad because I'm looking at certain things. And then I went to reach and I knocked my microphone out of whack. But I think I'm all good. Um, so because I made the face is if you spend $50 million on defense, that is like six defensemen averaging eight and a half, eight and a half million. Like, I'm like, geez. So it goes back the to this. going up, Marty. Dana. Yeah, why not? Why not? The cap's going up. That, that need, the cap would need to be 120 million for yes. that to be happening. Um, Shayna, and because we're going to talk about this, um, Connor Halibut's rumored to have to be wanting nine and a half million yeah. on an eight-year deal after he is a UFA next year, not a year from now. Um, I was talking to somebody uh, today, and they were asking, "Do do teams really need a good goaltender? Can they just do?" you know, the, the, the Aiden Hill or whatever. And I reminded that person that after the Niemi Michael Layton finals in 2010, where teams started to think, oh, maybe we don't need good goaltending. It was Tim Thomas, Jonathan Quick, Corey Crawford, Jonathan Quick, Corey Crawford that won the Cups. And the finalists that year, those years were Luongo, Brodeur, Rask, Lundqvist, and Ben Bishop, who got hurt in the finals in 2015. So I'm saying... Should you should teams want to pay nine and a half for Connor Ellibuck or is nine and a half for Connor Ellibuck way too much? Um, it's not way too much. Here's the thing. Oh, I'm I, the I goalie mean, union member here, and I say it, it's way too it much. But I know. Okay, finish, go ahead. She's gonna finish the sentence as to why you don't do it. <laughs> I it depends on the team and it depends on the situation. I think that you can get away without having elite goaltending. The Vegas Golden Knights just showed us that. The Colorado Avalanche, uh, when they won the Stanley Cup, did not have elite goaltending in the playoffs. They had very good goaltending all year. No slants to Darcy Kemper. But when they got to the playoffs, they got below average starts 99% of the time. They were elite offensively. They were elite defensively. That They were able to balance it out. If you're a team like the Avalanche, you don't need to spend that much on goaltending. You can get away with, you know, average goaltending. If you're a team like the New Jersey Devils and you're going to keep up playing the way you did, you don't need to spend $9 million on goaltending. But there are teams that need to do that. The New York Rangers are the prime example of it. They didn't have elite offense. They didn't have elite defense. They had really strong goaltending to carry them. So it depends on the situation for every single team. If the Sabres are a team that they're going to have solid offense and they're going to, or they're going to have an elite offense, right? And maybe their defense isn't perfect. Maybe there's a team that should be spending that much on goaltending. I still think that's a lot of money, especially when you consider his age range. If I'm handing $9 million to a goalie, I would hope he's 24, 25 years old, not 30, 31. You know, we see that with Bobrovsky and Carey Price. Those contracts don't always work out unless you're, I don't know, the generational tier like Henrik Lundqvist. So how many cups did he win? Never mind. Oh, come on. That's such a bad argument. Yeah, it is a bad argument, Duffer. Terrible argument. You're fired well, from the show. I hope <laughs> Hellebuck fired. enjoys Hellebuck will enjoy San Jose. That's all I know. Oh. Dana, we're we're out of we're he can get his nine there. Uh we're out of time, but you have continued your streak again of being better than the last week. It's never ending. And the hair 
matches that. But you were going in a different direction. You were focused on Panarin's hair. Give yes. us the latest. Listen, he oh said God. it was for bad vibes. It sounds like he had to change the pace after last season. And I'm all about that. I can have one bad day. Legitimately, one bad day. It could be something small. And I'm dyeing my hair. You have, I have a song, Don't Be Sad, Go Dye Your Hair. So if he wants to go cut his hair and change it to change the vibes so you're in control of something, which you should be with your hair, go have a blast, right? Like no judgment from me. Everyone nitpicking at this needs to stop because they all probably have their own ticks on like this therapeutic method to feel better. It has a Phoebe Buffet vibe to it that <laughs> she's like, whoa, I need to cleanse your aura, shave your head, right? And exactly. that's what Panarin did. Exactly. Shana, have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Shana Goldman from The Athletic will wrap up Sabres Live with another special guest right around the corner. Hint, 11-day power play. Stay with us. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. This has been an exciting day, especially during our commercial breaks, Marty. Just chaos. And we've, we're like rearranging the deck chairs, so to speak. And guess what? We have two guests here to close it out in Mike and Amy Lesikowski from, of course, the 11-Day Power Play. Quite possibly the greatest community fundraising initiative this city has seen. How does that sound? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's sweet. Year over year over year over year. Give us the latest. Where are we at? How's it going so far? All the numbers that are pertinent to the cause. Oh my gosh. Well, we have, uh, we dropped the puck yes yesterday morning at 9 a.m. or two mornings ago. I'm losing track. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have, we have 2,300 participants this year. It's our biggest year yet as far as participation. And we are inching up to an overall $10 million goal. Um, over seven years. So this is our seventh year and we're at what? 1.23 right now. We're at um, 1.32 million right now to, oh for this year. And overall, what are we at? Like over all these years, do you guys have a full uh, like number, a grand total? 9.8 million. Uh, so we're, we're trying to get to the over 10 million this, this, uh, this week and yeah. which would be incredible. Uh, now I noticed a lot of work for the volunteers and for everybody that's there players play 24 hours a day and over 11 days. And there's some shifts that are start at 2 AM and whatnot, but <laughs> I want to know because you guys are the force behind it quick, this or that who gets more sleep a, a per night between the two of you, Mike and Amy, who has the chance to sleep a little bit more? <laughs> Amy pointed at Mike right away. <laughs> Guilty. So we're saying what, Amy, like, do you get at least four to five hours of sleep or is it over or under? Um, you're, you're right on par this year. It's about okay. four to five. Um, it'll get better as the event moves on because logistically we get all our systems in place. Our volunteers get very used to where they need to be. Um, but we're used to it. This is our seventh year. <laughs> is there anything in this last next 30 seconds here you want to say to encourage people to get involved, either from a spectator standpoint, fundraising standpoint, support standpoint? What, what could you ask of the community yeah, right now? We, we'd, we'd love to get to that $10 million mark. If you know a player or a team, please donate, 11daypowerplay.com. Uh, it's going to be raining for the next few days. Pop in. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be hot the rest of the time, so it's always great to see people in the stands. Come buy a t-shirt, come buy a hat, have a coffee, cheer on your players, heckle me, do whatever you want. But uh, get on down and 
uh, donate a few bucks, please. The merch is amazing. You merch guys did amazing. such a good job with the merch. Yeah. Like I'm wearing my hat and my t-shirt now, but there's hoodies. There's a, it, the merch is amazing. Go and get you. And, and when you go around the US and North America and the world, like people recognize the 11 day power play logo. It's amazing how I'm at a horse show in Virginia and people are like, Hey, that's the 11 day power play. Like they know, I think it's awesome. Guys, thank you so much. We look forward to seeing this event continue to play out here over this 11-day window. And uh, congrats again on uh, just uh, another amazing effort on your part. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for supporting for us. Always supporting us. Of course. And uh, Marty, I suspect that cap you're wearing might be on display during our draft coverage next week. We will be live on site in Nashville for two-hour shows on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And, of course, we'll have Chris Baker joining us for a special Monday edition, Marty. What is, what is the one word you're thinking going to the next week in Nashville? Surprises. There will be surprises at the draft. I can tell you that. All right. That's it for this week, folks. We'll see you from Nashville next week.